Our scripture lesson for this Sunday is from Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. We used a portion of this passage a couple of weeks ago, but we're going to extend it a little bit for today's message. Matthew 16, beginning with verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For the past three Sundays, I've been preaching a series of sermons based on the Apostles' Creed, an ancient affirmation or confession of faith that we repeat most every Sunday as we worship God together. The first three sermons were based on the Holy Trinity, God the Father Almighty, Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit, or as some versions of Scripture would have it, the Holy Ghost. Next week, we'll examine the phrase, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And then we'll conclude by asking, what does it mean when we say, I believe in the resurrection of the body? and the life everlasting. Today we will consider what it means to say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. In other words, I believe in the church. The word holy means divine, godly, hallowed, pure, blessed, and set apart. That the church is or is called to be all of these things, I think most of us would agree. The word Catholic in the creed has given a lot of folks a lot of trouble across the years. Many congregations to this day refuse to say the creed because they don't want to use the word Catholic. They refuse to incorporate the creed into their order of worship because they falsely believe that they would be affirming their faith in the Roman Catholic Church as opposed to other denominations or other groups. But what we need to be reminded of from time to time is that the word Catholic with a little c as it's used in the creed means universal or general church, the worldwide church. In a sermon written over 200 years ago titled Of the Church, John Wesley asked and answered the question, what is the church? He said the Catholic or the universal church is all the persons in the universe whom God has so called out of the world as to entitle them to the preceding character, as to be one body, united by one spirit, having one faith, one hope, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the set-apart from all corners of the globe, church, the church of our God. Maybe from time to time you'll have an opportunity to explain to someone or to help them to understand why we use the word Catholic when we repeat the creed. 
Our word church comes from the Greek ecclesia. And we use the word ecclesiastical when we're talking about things of the church or things that happen in the church or because of the church. To refer to church things, ecclesiastical. And there are basically four meanings of ecclesia in the New Testament. The first is an assembly of persons which has been called together for a particular purpose. The second is a community of believers which has been called from all the inhabitants of a specific area. The third is a community gathered by God through Christ. And the fourth is the eschatological people of God. Eschatology having to do with the latter days or the final things. Article 13 of our United Methodist Articles of Religion concern the church. The visible church of Christ, we are told, is a congregation of faithful women and men in which the congregation... The word of God is preached, the sacraments duly administered according to Christ's ordinance, and all those things that are of necessity requisite to the same. The visible church of Christ, the church is of God. Apart from God and his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, there would be no church. An old story that I still like about a woman who had been driving around a small town that was very unfamiliar to her. She was going to a wedding there. She was afraid she was going to be late. She was nearly in a panic. So she pulled into one of the corner service stations and went inside and asked the guy behind the counter, please, sir, she pleaded, can you tell me where Christ Church is located? Well, let's see. Right over yonder, he said, well, that's Mr. Sam's church. And over there, that, that's Miss Elizabeth's church on the left. And around the corner and up that way, no, no, that's the Jones family church. Christ church, you say. And she said, yes, please tell me where it is. I'm going to be late for a wedding. Christ church. Hmm. Ma'am, he said, I'm just as sorry as I can be. But I don't believe that he has a church in this community. Now, let's look for a few minutes at some different ways that this idea of church can be expressed. Church or ecclesia may be viewed from the standpoint of God's action toward and upon persons. In this case, church becomes equivalent to those whom God has called and chosen and gathered and justified and is in the process of sanctifying. Those who are in the New Testament called saints, a word that we we are afraid to use a lot or, or we kind of back away from it. Saints, those being sanctified in Christ Jesus. To say I believe in the communion of saints becomes another way of saying I believe in the church. But the word saint throws us. We think about stained glass figures or less than human kind of folks who never made a mistake. And then sometimes we use the word saint as an expression of contempt. Old man Smith said that about my youngin. Well, that boy of his ain't no saint either, that's for sure. If you got a second, I'll tell you a thing or two. But I like the way Will Willimon writes about being a saint. Biblical holiness, he said, means something other than our popular definitions of a saint. A saint, a biblical saint, is not a nation or a person who lives such a virtuous life that a committee nominates him or her for the saint of the year, for the virtuous person of the year, for the honor of chief moral and spiritual virtuoso. 
No, biblical saintliness is first a matter of what God does with people rather than what people do for God. A person is called saint in the Bible because God wants to do something holy and meaningful, not because that person's holiness or talents or abilities gives them special position and special notice in the eyes of God. Saints are people who are called by God to participate in God's work in the world. The New Testament shares this definition of saints. You are a chosen race, we're told, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, declares 1 Peter 2, 9. To the early Christians, to the first Christians, they are chosen because God has work for them to do in this world. That you may declare the wonderful deeds of the one who called you out of your darkness into his marvelous light. To make something out of these folks. Not because they are unique or that different, but because God has called them to be God's people. God refers to the church in the New Testament as the saints. Those who are set aside. And like Israel before it, the church is chosen. A group of sometimes nobodies who are somebodies because of the call and the grace of God in their life. The communion of saints. Another way in which the idea of the church can be expressed is from the standpoint of the duties that entails in its faithfulness to Christ and agrees to become part of his church. When we do this, then we become saints and we become members of his church. And we come in as stewards and servants and ministers and witnesses and ambassadors and friends. Of these terms, as qualifying the nature of the church, the two that are most often used in the New Testament are at the same time the most menial, the lowliest, sometimes called slave and servant members of the church. But they are also most effective in making known that relationship between humiliation and glory, between captivity and freedom. Only when we humble ourselves can God glorify us. Only in captivity to Christ... Is there true freedom? Because Christ became a servant, according to Philippians 2.7, those of us who are called by him are called to become servants of one another for his sake. And that also takes place as the church fulfills its obligation to Christ. Christ came, he said, not to be served, but to serve. And we are called to be servant people in this world. And how else are folks going to hear us unless we're willing to serve? We exist as the church. And we forget this sometimes. I forget this. I believe others do too. We exist not to be served, but to serve and to offer all we have on behalf of others. Still another way in which this idea of church can be expressed is in terms of gathering and scattering. The book of Hebrews urges us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. We are the church when we gather in this place Sunday after Sunday, and it's been a while since we've been able to do that. And we offer ourselves and our gifts to God in worship. It is important. And I've been missing that, and I sense that many of you have too, that we gather together to draw strength from one another, to encourage one another, to lift one another up. We need that. Desperately, we always have. It's important that we find those times to be together. And we are beginning to live back into that 
and look forward to the day when that can become our normal once again to gather. But not only are we the church when we are together, we are the church when we're scattered. We, God's people, we are the church. And I've seen that and you've seen it and experienced it since the middle of March until now. God's church scattered, brought together by technology and in other ways to worship and to hear the word of God, but scattered in our homes and in other places to make God's love and God's healing and God's power known. Where is the Noonan First United Methodist Church? Well, we have a physical address and you know about these amazing buildings, but we are the church wherever we are, wherever you are, at work or at home or wherever life takes you a chance to be God's light and God's love in this world, to be the church scattered across this community and around the world. The church of God, we know and it's been made known to us very clearly, we are bound by no walls, no floors, windows, doors, no ceilings, wherever God's people and God's spirit get together, there's God's church. George MacLeod of Scotland wrote these words, He said, I simply argue that the cross be raised again at the corner of the marketplace as well as on the steeple of the church building. I am recovering the claim that Christ was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves, two revolutionaries, on the town garbage heap, at a crossroads so cosmopolitan that they had to put a sign above his head, in different languages, in Hebrew and in Latin and in Greek, at the kind of place, and you know these places where cynics talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble because that's where he died and that's what he died about. And that is where the church should be and what the church should be about, he says. One other way in which this idea of the church can be expressed is in the Apostle Paul's metaphor, the body of Christ. This body binds women and men together in a koinonia, in a community of life and righteousness over which Christ rules. In the church, every person is a member of Christ's body. We are no longer our own, but we are bound in intimate and significant ways to one another. That's what makes the church strong. Story is told from way back of Auguste Rodin, the, the French sculptor, regarding his statue of Honoré de Balzac in Paris. And it appears on the statue that the sleeves hide the hands of the great novelist. And the explanation is given that 4 a.m. on the day when the work was completed, Rodin called in friends and students to examine his handiwork. Their commendation was unusually elegant. The first exclaimed, what hands? My master, I have never seen such marvelous hands before. And another student's reaction was very much the same. His comment was, only a God could create such hands. They are alive. And a third cried, those hands, those hands. If you had never done anything else, master, those hands would have made you immortal. The response of Rodin was unexpected. He seized a dreadful-looking axe, and the students, fearing for his sanity, threw themselves upon the sculptor. But with a supernatural strength, he chopped off the hands that had given and caused such extravagant praise. 
fools, he said. I had to destroy those hands. They had taken on a life of their own. They did not belong to the life of the composition. Remember this and remember it well. No part is more important than the whole. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Final way in which this idea of the church can be expressed, the final way for today anyway, is by realizing that we are this world's best hope. When we are on our best behavior, when we are hearing the voice of God and hearing the stirrings, discerning the Holy Spirit, we offer a hope to this world that can be found nowhere else. This knowledge should not make us proud or boastful, but should push us even harder to seek God's presence and God's direction in our hearts and in our homes and in our church home. We have access to the power of the resurrected Christ. May we use that power always to help and to heal. I believe in the church. Amen.